0: Oh, hello. Fancy seeing you here on a Monday morning, but glad you could join us. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week we will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their businesses to success in an ever-competitive business climate. So pour yourself a hot cup and enjoy the show. Welcome to a very special episode of Inside the Firm. Today I am graced by Mike Acker as a guest on the podcast. He is a speaker, leadership coach, a best selling author with over 19 years of experience in speaking, leadership development, and organizational management. He's best known for his authenticity, so I think you'll love that because you know how authentic we are in this one humor and engaging presence. Mike specializes in fostering personal and organizational awareness allowing the audience to personalize his presentations. His expertise in communications and leadership has drawn a wide range of engagements, including executive teams, emerging leaders, nonprofit organizations, churches, and public schools. Mike, welcome to Inside the Firm. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Lance. Looking
1: forward to communicating with you and to your audience.
0: Yeah, so you got in touch with me, man, a couple of weeks ago when I was – in like probably day 60 in a row of everybody, everybody who listens, they know, you know, we were kind of crazy workaholics at the end of our development project, but we finally got in touch and here we are talking today. And uh, one of the most interesting things you were telling me about is your books. And I know I'm getting a free copy. So tell me about, this is your second.
1: Yeah, this is my second book. So I have two and there's actually a whole series. And really what happened was I ended up after years of being a public speaker I got to the spot where a lot of people were asking me to be a coach for them. And so as I did one-on-one coaching sessions, I started putting down some of those ideas on a piece of paper. Those turned on into books. And so I'm on to my third book right now. Ultimately, this whole desire to help people communicate more clearly, helping them to speak what's on their mind and what they need to say and what they intend to say. So, I've got my first book, which was Speak With No Fear, about overcoming fear, and then the second book just came out about how to write a presentation, write a talk, write a pitch, write a speech of any sort. And then I'm working on my next one, which is how to train for confidence in, in communication. So it's been a, it's been a fun go uh, that was not really planned. As, as you know, with your development, sometimes things come around that you just gotta seize it.
0: Yeah, totally. Tell me a little bit more about how you got into speaking so much and and writing about it. I mean, was it a fear thing? Did you have that kind of fear and that you just just like, I have to overcome this. And then it sort of became something you just love to do. I know for me, that's what it was. I hate, I, it was a, that was a, a life goal for me was to in college, especially after seeing people who were good at speaking and Our good friend Justin made is a listener of this, so I hope he hears this. And he was so impressed. He was so impressive at speaking. I was like, I got to get that good. So what led you to this speaking?
1: Yeah, it was a series of just different opportunities that came up. But I think that when you're learning from somebody, you want to learn from somebody who had to learn themselves. There are some people just naturally have whatever it is that you're trying to learn. They're just a naturally good basketball player, are just naturally good drawing, you know, at drawing or whatever it might be. And I was just not naturally good. So I had to learn how to be good. I had to learn how to command the audience of 10,000 people. I had to learn how to overcome that that fear. And so as I learned, I realized that, hey, I know what it's like for you to be terrified. I know what it's like for you to get up in front of an audience and just totally bomb it. I write about that in my book. I get up, got up in front of my entire college to do this presentation in, it was about like 2000, right? <laughs> and just, I got so nervous and sweaty. I started rushing my words. The president of school ended up putting his hand on me and like just <laughs> basically saying, it's okay, you can finish this. I mean, it was just so bad. One of those ones where you go into your car afterwards and just put your head onto your, your steering wheel and just think, oh, that was awful and made no impact. But from there, I really was able to overcome, get better, and really get to a spot where now I I tell people, you never want to erase your fear. You do want to ease your fear. You want that fear to actually be energy. So even now when I get up in front of people, I still have a good amount of fear, a good nervousness, a good energy that's going inside of me that I can turn around to be an energetic presenter. But I had to get to that spot. I had to get to this place where I could do that. I had to gain that confidence. So now I work with people to gain that. And so through the years in my 20s, I did a lot of speaking, traveling around, camps, conferences, churches, events, all these different things, workshops that were going on. I would travel around and do that. Then I got married, settled down a little bit, didn't do as much traveling, got involved in some some management, but still kept some speaking engagements on the side and some regular things at churches and such. And then over the course of years, I ended up coaching more and more with my staff and with other people. And then about a year and a half ago, I started just coaching a whole bunch, which is now where I'm
0: at. Very cool. I love how you've turned that into a total positive. I, I figured it was probably something like that. Um, so that so, so t- tell us about like, you know, a lot of architects, we have to go out and sell ourselves. And that's the primary audience of, of everybody who's listening here. That you know I think you and I were kind of, talking about who, who is the audience here and there's some realtors, but it's, it's at least no matter what everybody's involved in some level of business and they have to go out and have to sell their themselves, their product, their service, something like that. And one of the things we always preach is right. confidence. So how, how do you like to create confidence through communication and how do you coach, you know, people through that part?
1: Yeah, great. Uh, well, the first thing I think is you remove the negative and that's why I started with the book, speak with no fear. Some people, when they heard my title, they said, why don't you write a book called Speak with Confidence? I said, that one's coming. But really, the first part of confidence is often removing the negative. So if you can get rid of some of the stuff that keeps you back, then you can move forward. And then I wanted to work on just some of the mindsets, some of the have actually how to develop the type of framework for speech that people could use or a pitch or presentation. The people I work with are not public speakers. Most public speakers they come around and they create their own pathway. They come from something where they're already speaking a lot. The people I work with are professionals who, like architects, like your audience, like entrepreneurs, you, you got to pitch some way. You got to present something. I work with a lot of IT people over at Microsoft and places like that, or just uh, some CEOs and some C suite executives who, even, they're just presenting to their team and they just know that they're not doing the best of their ability. In fact, I believe this that. Communication holds people back in their career more than they realize. That if they realized how to get their point across more effectively, if they realized how they could present their ideas better, if they realized how they could pitch better, sell better, whatever it might be that they're doing, that they would have greater buy in from people, they'd have greater financial success, they'd have greater peace and health because they're not terrified getting up there. So that's what I do. I work with these people. And so I have a school, an online school that people do, or I do one-on-one coaching, or I have the books. And I, and I want to walk your audience through, and I think I'll take people through both books, and I won't do exhaustively. You can always pick them up. Mike Acker is my name, mikeacker.com, two books, Speak With No Fear, and then Write to Speak. But I'll give you enough in this podcast right now that you can overcome the negative so that you can build the positive, and that you can have an outline So you know how to communicate effectively with your group. Does that sound good, Lance?
0: That sounds great. Let's do it.
1: All right. So let's walk you first through how to overcome that nervousness. So say you're getting up and you're presenting your plans to your your intended customer. In the past, I led several organizations, and so we built several buildings. I met with architects. They presented their plans with me. met with contractors. They presented their proposals to me. So I get that world also. I've been in the real estate world where people are presenting to you, right? So I understand what it can be like to get up and present to people, to sell yourself to people, to sell your product to people. And, and that nervousness can get in the way. People can see through that. And if your nervousness, your anxiety, your fear comes across, then what happens? People don't buy into you as much. So here's from the first book, and then I'll, I'll spend the most time in the second one. But here's the first one, Speak With No Fear is really seven strategies that you can employ in your life to overcome that nervousness, that anxiety, that fear of public speaking. So here's the first one, uncover and clean the wound. And so this is my, my quasi counseling one, where I, I dive in and say, listen, if you've got fear, if you've got anxiety, if it's holding you back, then it's probably coming from somewhere. Meaning there's probably something bad that happened in your past that now you're living out in the, in, in the present. Why is it that you get up in front of 20 people or five people or 200 people and just feel so unworthy? Why is it? There's something there. So ultimately, my big encouragement in that chapter is dive into it. Figure it out. Don't let it hold you back. And I have a couple of different quotes in there. But really, by ignoring the past, you are, you are not allowing yourself to move into the future success that you want. So uncover and clean the, the wound. I move on and I talk about imagining the worst, and the whole idea of this one is prepare for the worst because it's really going to happen. And if you prepare for the worst, because sometimes people go, you know, no, my customer's not going to buy into it, or they're just they don't believe in me, or my boss, or my team, or and we jump to the worst possible scenarios. And so I say, well, good. Why don't you actually use that and prepare when you're thinking about the worst? It's like when I played soccer in high school my coach never gave it easy in our practice he made it really hard in our practice so that in the game it would either be on par or easier and that's what we want to do we want to prepare and practice and get ready through the worst so that when we get there we go that was a piece of cake it was nothing like i actually imagined so those are the first two and then i jump into one of my favorite ones. And I think this is uh, all of us have role models in life, and Lance, I bet you've talked about that in the past. And I have role models, and there's different ways that we just imagine that we should be. I know that you teach at Colorado University, and and as you're doing work there, there's probably some different times when you started teaching that you you started almost almost channeling someone in in the past that you had that was a great professor you saw well professor x was an incredible professor (laughs) not the one from x-men professor x was incredible professor so i should be a little bit more like like him or like this lady or like that guy and and we try to be someone else and and this is where i say really it's really important for you to know you and your style just because the lead architect that did all the presentations was incredible. It doesn't mean you have to do it that way. It doesn't mean like you have to be like your mom or your dad or, or your favorite professor. You need to learn you. And so when I talk about this, I, I dive into just doing it. Every year I do at least one personality profile, <laughs> like an Enneagram, MBTI, Finder. After doing this for years, I, I've gotten into really rare ones, like the flag test, <laughs> which nobody's ever heard of. But all of those little personality profiles help me discover a little bit more about who I am and so that when I get on stage, I'm not trying to channel and trying to imitate and trying to clone someone else. I can be comfortable with being me on stage. So when it comes to you being you, I say this, and this is one of my motivational talks when I do, when I go out and do keynotes or motivational, inspirational talks, especially for younger crowds, I'll say, first, you've got to accept yourself. Then you gotta then you gotta appreciate yourself. Then you need to improve yourself. And there's three different areas that we do in life. Sometimes we just need to accept it. Like like uh Lance, I don't know about you, but I'm balding now. <laughs> and there's not much I can do about it.
0: <laughs>
1: and, and even though it's not my preferred way, <laughs> uh it's just what it is, right? So I need to accept myself. Um but there are things I can do to improve myself. I can trim up the hair which is an external change, I can improve myself and I can trim up some different areas and that will help me come across better. And then I can appreciate myself. So when we look at our communication style, our presentation style, what is it that you need to appreciate? Hey, do you have a good sense of humor? Are you witty? Are you fast? Are you conscientious? Are you aware? Appreciate that. What is it that you need to just accept? Are you tall? Are you short? Are you are you just so dry? What is it that you just need to that you can't change and you just need to say, This is just who I am, and I need to accept it. And what can you improve? And improve are often the external things or the mental things that you can change so that you can come across across more clearly. Some people they want to accept that they're just long winded. No, that's something you need to improve. You need to be able to change that. But there are other things that you just need to accept, mostly things that are inherent to you, which is why I think having personality profiles are so great. This is a huge one for me, that you being you helps you come across confidently because then you're not trying to be someone else on stage. I've seen people get up in front to do a sales pitch or presentation and they become someone completely different than they are when you're talking to them one-on-one. They get loud, they get boisterous, they get serious. I had one CEO I was working with 48 different locations across many different states for his company. And he and I were talking and he went into his presentation that he was going to give and he got instantly boring. I thought, what happened right there? It's because in his mind, he thought that a CEO had to be serious, that when he presented, he had to be serious. So I said, no, that's not you. Let's have you be you on stage. And if you're serious and Face to face, you can improve some areas, you can add some humor, but ultimately, you need to be you when you present as well. People want that authentic you. So that's a huge one right there. Uh, I don't know for you, Lance, was there someone that you modeled off of? Just interacting with you a little bit here, is there someone that you modeled off of when you started getting up in front of people?
0: Yeah, Justin Meadema, like I said, honestly, he was so good. One of the things, so he, he was, he admittedly knew he was not the best designer. But damned if he didn't sell. If he was, he, his design wasn't the best one, and that's what was that's that was my turning point where I was like, oh my gosh, this is all about sales. Like this guy could sell a, you know, um, this guy could sell an ice cube to an Eskimo type of type of thing. You know, that old adage as it, as it goes. So, right. It was more of just me just emulating like, and I. So there's a couple things that you touched on about is you know knowing yourself. And then the other thing I, I realized right. is like knowing your content and owning your content, and don't don't point out the flaws. So when we go when we teach our students at the University of Colorado Boulder, and they have to go through their um, they have to go through their presentations and everything, they're public speaking. They, a lot of them don't like it, and then they will go out of their way to point out the flaws in their designs. And I tell them, you guys, we might not have noticed that flaw. If you wouldn't have highlighted it, what you need to do is you need to right. own own all of your content that is good. You don't even have to t- point out the bad stuff. And an even I mean and then that translates, Alex. And I on the last episode of this podcast, we're talking about doing walkthroughs with for the first time. You know, we we built eight condominiums that people are buying, and it's a new experience for us all the way around. And one of the most interesting experiences has been doing the walkthroughs with the buyers, right? they get to point out all the flaws and stuff like this. Some are very ticky tacky. Some are, some are a little bit bigger. Um, some you might not even notice. So it even translates to that where we're like, you just walk through, you keep your mouth shut. You, you you are confident about your product and whatever they point out, that's their problem. They might not have the same problems as you have you, but your nose has been so close to that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I would say. Um, Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, I, and I, I was hesitating to interrupt you <laughs> uh, while you were going through. No, no are, you, are, you on, are you on bullet point five? I know you think you were going to go through like seven or something like that. So I just want to make sure you got through those because I think they're great. Yeah, you know, I paused halfway through just to give a little break right there.
1: But uh, the, the three strategies, I, actually those are just three strategies I covered right there on the first book. uncover and clean the wound, imagine the worst, UBU, the, the fourth one is about speaking to one like often what happens we get in front of people and we we freeze up because there's a lot of people there whether that's 20 people or 50 people or or 10,000 people and really going you know it's not about the crowd it's about the individual that makes up the crowd crowds are scary but people are not when you're one-on-one with them (laughs) most people are not when you're one-on-one with them so if you can personalize the crowd it reduces that stress Uh, The the fifth strategy, so this is the fifth one. It's actually not about you. Every presentation we do is not about the person presenting. I tell people all the time, no one is there to listen to you. And sometimes there's a pushback, like, well, what do you mean? I'm the expert. I'm I'm the person that they're coming out to. They're paying money to come see me, whatever it might be. But it's not about you. Every single person listens to a speech because they want something out of it. They want the best proposal. They want the best price. They want the best a product that's going to help them. They want entertainment. They want to laugh. No one goes to a comedian to make Jim Gaffigan or Kevin Hart feel better about themselves. <laughs> you go so you can laugh. Yeah, You might go because of them, but of what they can do for you. You're not going for them for their sake. At politics, we don't go listen to a candidate because we, we just want them to feel better. Even our parents don't do that. Our parents show up because they want to be proud of us. So ultimately, as a speaker, we need to be thinking about, hey, it's not about me. In fact, every single time I do a podcast interview or something like this, I'm thinking about what's going to be helpful to the audience? What's going to be helpful to them? And that gets me out of my mind of, hey, is this audience like me? Are they going to buy my book? Are they going to be interested in what I'm doing? If I can say, what can I do that would add value to them? How can I... Contextualizes for them? How can I get into their mindset? And every time we present, we need to be thinking about that. Sometimes, especially in sales, and I've done sales, and I do sales. And so every time in sales, we think, sometimes we go, well, I want the money, right? I, I want them to buy this, I need this, I need to put food on the table. But we're gonna actually put better food on the table, more food on the table if we start thinking more of, I believe in what I'm doing, and this connects with them. The sixth strategy uh, is channel the power. Ultimately, that's, that's kind of like exercising, you know, when you have negative energy. Years ago, I used to go boxing all the time, and I punched the bags, and I would think about the people who frustrated me in life. So, yeah, that might not be good, but <laughs> uh, that's what I did. And I channeled the power. And I took that negative energy and worked it out. Likewise, there's a way to channel the power, and I talked about different ways on, on the stage or getting ready for the stage. And then the last one is to be in the moment and this is a huge one. I I struggle with this in my daily life, Lance. My son is four years old and will be playing and I'll have my phone there and something will happen, right? And I'm taken away from being in the moment with him and and I get on some stupid email or something. (laughs) Uh, I think most people can relate to that, but really being in the moment is a really relevant strategy to public speaking that when you're preparing, you're preparing and not thinking in advance of what you're doing. You're not you're not in that terrified moment. And when you're, when you're presenting, you're presenting. And afterwards, you're, you're reflecting. And if you can be in the moment, and if you can train yourself in daily life to be in the moment, then it's more relevant for when you're actually speaking. For me, the analogy is cliff jumping. When I used to do a lot of cliff jumping in my 20s, we used to travel different places and find 60, 80-foot cliffs to jump into water. And the, the most terrifying moment was when you paused. If you got up and you anticipated what was about to happen, then you froze. But if you just climbed up to the top of the cliff and ran and jumped, then that, the fear wasn't there. Because when you were climbing, you were climbing. When you were running, you were running. When you were falling, you were falling. And then you landed. And you landed. Versus there, every now and then I'd get up to the top and I would look down. And then that one moment would freeze me and terrify me. And I'd keep on thinking about what's coming next. So instead of being in that next moment, learn how to be in the present moment. There's a couple of tips on there, how to do it, like looking at details around you. For all the audience today, take a moment, look at five details around you. Do that while you're driving later on. What you'll realize is the future fades away as you're fully focused on the present. So those are the seven strategies, Lance, that I use in my first book on how to overcome the negative, the fear. And then ever from there on, I'm working on building
0: on the positive. You know, there was, so the la- number five really sh- struck me and I had pushback uh, as you predicted because I tell everyone, everybody is here to listen to you. So stop being so bashful. We, we are here to listen to you. Like we're we're literally hanging on every word. So you should value attention to you. I'm wondering how you can sort of, how would you help? How would you rephrase? How would you finish this sentence then? Because I want to. I'm I'm toying with it in my mind and whether or not it makes sense to me. is So you, you said, no one is there to listen to you. How would you finish that then? Right.
1: Yeah. They're, or you could say, it if I wanted to rephrase while you say it, they are there to listen to you because of what
0: it does for them. Okay. They are there to listen to you uh, because of what it does for them. I because, like that. Yep.
1: Yeah, because... Like, for example, if if I hire you to to design a building for me and and you come, I am there to listen to you. Right. Because you have taken the time. I have paid you to do this. This is your profession, your expertise. I am there to listen to you, but not just to listen to you. I'm only there to listen to you because I have some interest in it. I want to learn from it. Right. I I want to see what you're going to do. That's why I'm there. And if you're a professor, same thing. I, I traveled around to listen to, uh, there was one professor that I went to almost all his classes, just consistently took classes from Professor Dr. Blaine Charette, loved his, his way of, style, of, of teaching. So I signed up for all his classes, even if they weren't immediately relevant to, to my major. So I went to listen to him, but I went there to listen to him for what he could do for me. And I like to go to comedians and listen to them. Jim Gaffigan, love, I love listening to him. It makes me laugh. My wife loves listening to him. We go there to listen to him, but because of what he does for us.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. That makes that makes total sense. That makes you feel better. Now I, now I believe you. Uh, <laughs> or I, I buy into that statement. <laughs> um, the last yeah. thing is, well, I don't think it's, was this, I think it's just number seven, Be in the Moment, I think it is. Do you have any... Yeah. Yeah. So I used to, uh, and I, I want to get back into this. I used to do two things when I woke up right away. Number one is I, I would, before I even had coffee, I, I would go put coffee on and while it was brewing. Then I would, I would meditate for at least 10 minutes. And I used to, I can't remember what app I was using, some one of those meditation apps, and it was great because it and it helped me focus. And so like um, a couple of the, When I was doing this, I was either – one, I was taking, I think, some architecture tests to get licensed, and the other one was a test to get licensed as a contractor. It really helps with focus, and then all throughout the day, sort of seeing problems, acknowledging them, and then you can make them not go away, but just they don't persist in what's going on in your life. Do you have any – Right. Does that is this a, is this a, do you do you give any advice or su- suggest any of those kind of apps for everybody? Because when you talk about being in the moment, that is it. I mean, that's the point of meditation is to be.
1: Right. You know, I don't talk about apps on that one, but when I'm talking about channeling the power, I talk about a breathe app, and those fit well together. And a lot of these really morph into can morph into each other. Right. They they're not completely separate strategies. They're meant to work together. And, and the, the Channel of the Power, there's an app on breathing that just throughout the day, my watch will remind me to breathe. And that's so much about being in the moment, too. Breathing in the moment. like if Even if I just say take a deep breath right now, everybody instantly, there's a desire, kind of like yawning, just to take a deep breath. I wanted to do it right there. And even right. in that moment, it just helps you be present. It's just like meditating. So meditation is a great way. I talk about affirmations as something great as well. But the the one little tip, technique that I add and be in the moment is really it comes from counseling. And it comes from really battling negative emotions. I think it was as I was writing the book, the 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 newest um, Punisher on Netflix came out. And my wife and I were watching it I'm like, hey, I'm writing about that technique. So I referred to it but it's in this moment where the guy is filled with rage and can't do anything. And the psychiatrist says, count five things blue around you. And so he has to look around for five things and then detail them. I actually get road rage. (laughs) And uh, so I use this technique and have used this technique for some time where instead of thinking about, Oh my gosh, you're stupid and whatever, right. Instead of doing that, I get into the moment where I think about what are five things around me that are interesting and without, without, taking my attention away from driving. I look at a license plate in front of me. I look at something in my in the, in the front, uh, maybe a tree that's interesting how it's different from other trees. And just that moment of looking around at five details calms down that, that anxiety or that rage, in this case, and that's the emotion I'm having. And so that is a very good strategy. So I'll tell people before you get up on stage, when you're having that moment where you're thinking, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I got I to gotta get up, a, I got to do this, I got to do this, and your mind is looking at the, at the cliff that you're about to jump off of, instead of doing that, take time to just look around you. Uh, there's another strategy I, I talk about being thankful, that if we're thankful in the moment and we learn how to be thankful in the moment, it really helps us to be in the moment. So I don't talk necessarily about some apps right there, but that mm-hmm. would have been a good idea to add, <laughs> add a meditation app.
0: Yeah, maybe you can get a uh, maybe yeah. you, do, you know where you help them sell it. I don't know. <laughs> I can't. Remember. I wish I could remember You're which right. one I would, I would use, but yeah, it was good. I think it's I think it's good to get back into that. One, a couple things you didn't touch on, which I think are interesting, which I would have just expected, but maybe maybe it's deeper in your book and it's not even worth mentioning. But I, I at least want to pick your brain about it. Is a lot of people. One of the things I ask them to do when they present to us for the very first time or, or they're going to uh, is to have them or even when they're doing a podcast. Right. We we had another podcast before we had this one. And what it taught it taught us is that you should listen to yourself. You should record yourself. You should hear how you sound. Yeah. And and then you get over that either hating your voice. Now, I, I don't my voice. My voice yeah. used to I used to hate the sound of it. Now it's like, no, that's my voice. It's all good. And the other thing is, is it helps you get away from the uhs, the ums, the whatever, whatever, whatever word you're, you're you know, using as a filler. Do you go over that in your book? Is that, is that part of something, you know, strategies to just sound more professional? Yeah,
1: you know, not in the first one. And so my, my, my plan on releasing these are not super long books because I generally think people don't want super long books. And so they want something they can read and help them. And so really I've designed it that I'm writing for the first one about overcoming this negative energy, overcoming that. And that does not, does not show up as much right there. Now it does have a UBU, accept yourself. And the second one is really about speaking and how to write the speech. And and I'll walk people through that shortly here. And then the third one is going to be on training yourself for confidence. And so how to, how to be able to stand up there with confidence. And that one actually does have a lot about practice. And really this, I give this tip, and I've already written this chapter, is that before you speak to many, you need to speak to one. And so I actually tell people how to present to themselves and what to watch for. So watch for your smile, watch for your eyes, watch for this, and telling them what to look for as they get into that. And then, uh, and so there's some accepting part. There is some of that listening to yourself your audience should never be the first person to listen to you. And then the last book that I'm writing in this, in this series on speaking is all, all about skills. And so I'm doing a lot of external skills that people can, can work on. So they're, they're working on their cadence or their pace or how to use pauses and long pauses and eye contact and writing those out for people. And part of that will be tonality and how to use your voice and going up and down. Like you, I didn't used to like my voice. I used to think cringe when I heard it. But I got to a spot where not only did I actually improve my voice, so I actually have a better voice than I used to have, and I improved my breathing. <laughs> so, so if you don't like my voice now, <laughs> you really wouldn't have liked it 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but I have improved my voice. And then I've also accepted it. And that goes back to those three areas about you being you, right? That, one, you got to appreciate yourself. So I do appreciate myself. I do think I have. I like my voice. I've come to that. I've expect, I accepted it, that there's aspects that try as hard as I can. I haven't been able to change and I have improved my voice. So all three of those are, are
0: huge. Yeah, definitely. And, and
1: really, ultimately, in overcoming a fear is is really finding the root. And so one of the, one of the funny things from this book as it's it's gone viral in different places. And I've had people around the world reach out to me. And so I coach people around the world. That got my book somehow, and and people always talk about different strategies that connected with them. So they'll say something like, "Man, I really like two and five. The other ones weren't relevant to me. I didn't think those were very good." I'll literally have people say something like, "I didn't think that one was really good," and then someone else will say, "Man, two and five are the worst ones, but everything else was good." (laughs) So it's really interesting that these seven strategies hit people at different places. And one person said, none of the strategies related to him, but he wasn't looking for a book on overcoming fear. <laughs> he was already a public speaker as well. That's irrelevant to you. you can, I know. you just uh, But me. most people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. Oh, should I continue with uh, the content from the second book? Would that be helpful to your audience?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think we have one last bullet point we were going to go over <laughs> about the, how, how to go from a blank page to, to speaking on stage. Um, so maybe just a basic strategy for that. I, I, there are a fair amount of listeners here, I know for a fact, that will be asked to do a speech um, and maybe their local uh, American yeah. Institute of Architects chapter, stuff like that. I think that'd be super helpful and a good way to sort of end this.
1: Yeah, perfect. And so that whole bullet point right there is the second book that came out. By the way, it's only 99 cents right now on Kindle, so a great time to check it out as it's launching. And and part of this I wrote while I was attending and participating and leading a whole bunch of non-professional speaker conferences. So after years of going to conferences that people were all professional speakers, and I was a speaker at them too, and people are coming in, they're motivational speakers or they're faith-based speakers, they're church speakers. I I switched over and started participating in just local organizations for doctors and for, for business owners. Well, these people weren't trained speakers like my previous conferences I attended and participated in. And so as I was writing this, I was traveling a lot. I wrote this on the plane, most of it. I was realizing that how can I help people who don't have a natural bent? How can I give them a simple, repeatable system so I give them six steps on how to go from blank page to speaking on stage. And then there's kind of a bonus step. So I talk about starting with questions, basically getting into the mindset of what you're trying to communicate to people. Good conversations start with questions. When you and I got on the phone, even before the podcast, we asked each other questions. Conversations start with questions. So if you want to have a conversation speech with the people in your audience, in other words, you want them to participate, even if they're not saying anything, then you probably should start with some questions, like why are you giving the speech? What is it that you ultimately wanna say? And who is your audience, understanding your audience? So I start with questions. Then if you're going from blank page, that means that you don't even know what you're gonna say. So once you ask the questions, then you get into the second step, which is you brainstorm a mind map around the questions. A lot of people are familiar with mind maps. I'm sure you probably use them in the architectural world, and development world. Basically, you put your main idea in the middle, and then you start putting all your ideas that are connected to that main idea. That's how you start building speech. You just put it all out there. You vomit onto the paper. You can do this Mm -hmm. on a Word document. I give examples like that. Or you can do it on a a large whiteboard. Then you organize your points. So you start with question step one, brainstorm with a mind map. Then the step three, organize your points. So if I was a student in college, I had to give a presentation in your class, I might start with questions, why am I doing this? Because, and it can't be just the superficial reason, it's gotta be deeper, because I wanna present so that I can understand. Okay, here's my why. My what, here's my what. And I come up with a one, two, three sentence of what I'm trying to communicate. Who? My fellow classmates. There I am. Brainstorm with a mind map, I put in that what, the one, two, three sentences in the middle, and then I just jot down everything I could potentially think about. Step three, I organize them into points. If they don't fit into a point and they don't fit into the conclusion or introduction, then I cut it. It's better to cut on the page than cut on the stage. Too many people try to cram everything they thought of onto the, into the speech, and therefore they have an awful speech or they just ramble. So you organize your points, and then after you organize your points and flesh them out a little bit, so now you have a three, four, five, six, seven point speech or presentation, then you actually plan the conclusion. And this is what throws people off at times because they want to plan the introduction, then they want to write the speech, and then they want to do the conclusion because that's how you do a speech. But preparing a speech is not the same as presenting a speech. So you actually come up with the bulk of what you want to say, and then you plan how to actually get it to the audience, the conclusion. How are you going to end? And so I detail that out in the book, actually how to do that in a very clear way so that you end confidently. Too many people lands, too many people, they end a, a speech like this. They go, and oh, all right, that's it. <laughs> and they have a great speech and then they just end. And so you wanna make sure that the speech hits home and lands with your audience. And so I talk about how to do that. And then after you have your conclusion, you go back and you do the takeoff. And this is where you come up with your hook and your lure and all of the fancy ways of connecting finding the audience problem and hinting at their solution. If you're presenting for a client and you have a proposal that you wanna do, you wanna do this as well. You wanna start with a hook and a lure, something to get them interested. Then you wanna empathize with their problem and then you wanna hint at the solution, which is going to be the bulk of your speech. And then after you get those five steps, so you've got the questions, one, two, you've got your mind map, three, you've got your points, four, you got your conclusion, five you got your introduction then you go back and you edit it to make it flow well and then you practice 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 Practice, literally this is the step i take people through (laughs) yeah practice 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 so that's that's how to take blank stage from from a uh, blank page to speaking on stage uh, and in a in a very short period of time right there
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that was great. Thank you so much. I think everybody's gonna benefit from this, at least I hope they do, and I hope you know helps, helps grow the audience for us. Um because I just think this is like you said, personally, professionally, in almost every way, everybody can benefit from being a better communicator, a better speaker. Uh it just it's just very helpful in life. So let's wrap this up, Mike, with uh so thanks being thanks for being on, obviously, but uh, let's wrap this up. Where where can people go to find you? How can they get the books? Um, how can they follow you?
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for that, Lance. And you can find me on MikeAcker.com. So this is Mike and then A-C-K-E-R, Acker.com. And if you actually Google me, I'm all over the place. I'll be the first 10 people that show up, first 10 uh, search results that will show up. And on Amazon, if you type in Mike Acker, you can find both of my books there, Speak With No Fear and Write to Speak. Hopefully this helps you. That's ultimately my goal on this was to develop, and that's why it's 99 cents so i can get it to as many hands as possible and lance thank you so much for having me on the show i told you beforehand i was checking out some of the episodes and i thought man the firing the consultant one was good and i hope no one has to fire me But, but i love the content that you're doing to add value to people
0: yeah absolutely thanks well we'll have to have you back on maybe after the third book mike thanks again for being on sounds great thank you so much lance thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed it and if you did Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on the iTunes app, Tip Your Barista, and we'll see you next week for more Monday morning coffee with Inside the Firm.